0: Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary, with a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all your cleaning needs. Check them out online, ClearwaterCleaningSolutions.com. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKline, Twitch.tv/PrimetimePK, and you can email the show Couch Potato Diary at Yahoo.com. Coming up on the show today, a blockbuster in the National Basketball Association, a of things to come question mark we react to the fallout from a blockbuster that happened in the nhl and we get ready for the biggest blockbuster of them all super bowl sunday uh so a lot to get into thank you all so much for tuning in today hi i'm kim carson and i'm peter klein and this is we had no idea a podcast about world events that you know about but might have fallen asleep for during history class or social studies however you learn history in high school each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, let's start with the Kyrie Irving trade that has shaken the National Basketball Association to its core core. Um, For those of you who may have missed it, Kyrie Irving a couple of days ago demanding a trade to get out of um, Brooklyn, and he has been granted that trade in the way of a deal that has sent him to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, an unprotected 2029 first-round pick, and second-round picks in 2027 and 2029 in exchange for Irving uh, and Markeith Morris. So there's obviously a number of different sides to all of this, right? Let's let's look at the Mavs side first, because they are the ones who are getting the biggest player in this, um, but also I think the one that it's kind of the most boring around. For the Mets, uh, for Mets, wow. For the Mavericks, it is like it's with everything with Kyrie. It is huge risk, huge reward. The downside to this um, is rather obvious is that like the the worst case scenario in this whole thing is that he pisses everyone off to the point where uh, Luca doesn't even want to be there anymore and Luca demands his way out right like that worst case scenario is everything just goes absolutely nuclear there and the Mavericks have to start over and it ends up pissing off their generational talent in Luka Doncic and before you say well that's a little extreme let's take a look At the track record, shall we? Great situation with LeBron James. Wants his own team, though. Goes to Boston. It doesn't really end phenomenally there either, um, where it seemed like he kind of just gave up on everything and then didn't even show up for his teammates in Game 7, even though he was dealing with uh, some kind of a... He could have shown up. He wasn't playing. He was hurt. uh, But he definitely could have been there. And now this Brooklyn situation everything around vaccines, which make of that what you will, uh, but it ends up that Jason Harden, or Jason Harden, James Harden, wants his way out of town, and then there's a contract negotiation that doesn't necessarily go great, and KD wants his way out of town, and then everything's great, and now it's not again, and Kyrie Irving wants out of Brooklyn. So it's not like there isn't a lengthy track record of this guy doing this kind of thing that leads to these kinds of results. And... For the Dallas Mavericks, they are desperate enough to get another player around Luka that it kind of, in their minds, makes sense. They do not bring Brunson back, and they, I think, have been lacking for that this year. But also, you look at the West, and there isn't really that standout, right? Like, Denver's really good. There's a bunch of teams who are really good, but none of them have best-case video game scenario of Kyrie and Luka. And so, like, the best case in this whole thing is a championship, right? Like, the, the best case scenario is Kyrie fits in with Luca. you can kind of stagger their minutes, so you have to deal with one of them on the floor basically for the entire game, and then when they're both on the floor, it's just absolutely exquisite basketball, and that they are a team that no one can defend. Like, you, you can see... Uh, a scenario where these two guys, on national TV against the Lakers, come out, they both have 30 and 10, and it's just unstoppable, and they beat the Lakers by 40, and oh man, who can stop these guys? But then you could see, like, oh yeah, Kyrie just didn't show up for two weeks. Ah, yeah, I know it's the first round, but it's fine, don't worry about it. Like, there, there's just so much variance with this particular guy, but this is the thing with Kyrie. You can always talk yourself into the well, look, best case scenario, it's a championship, because that's what it's been in Brooklyn. That's what it was in Boston. That what uh, That's what it was with Cleveland. He hit a game-winning shot in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. So you can see, proof of concept, that when this guy is on with other star players, it can lead you to a championship. And so everyone gets tantalized by that, but this is now Boston. It didn't end that way. Brooklyn, it's now clearly not ending that way. So why why do we keep falling for it? Because there are so few legitimate difference makers in the NBA, and this guy has the potential to be one of them. Which leads us to the Brooklyn Nets portion of this whole thing. The kicker for Brooklyn, because you could it, you could very easily, if you're Brooklyn, be like, you know what? Didn't work? We're starting over. We're blowing this whole thing up. Let's try to fix let, let, let's try this whole thing again with kind of the same approach we had, um, before we got Katie and, and Kyrie, right? Like they they had built a scrappy young team that attracted Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving there in the first place. And you could see, like, yeah, let's just do that again, except Kevin Durant is having an unbelievable season. and it feels like an unbelievable waste to just not capitalize on that. And so for for the Nets, it feels a little underwhelming what they got—just one, um, one unprotected first-round pick in in this whole thing. But like, I like Finney Smith. He he is a fine role player. Same thing goes with Spencer Dinwiddie. He was great in Brooklyn uh, a few years ago. Those guys as two and threes to Durant, maybe a little bit underwhelming. But Kevin Durant is a better one than almost every team in the NBA um, has. And so for for the Nets, you can kind of play off of this both ways. If if you want to go out and get another dude, you've just acquired another pick that you can do that with. Maybe you can put Finney Smith and Dinwiddie in another trade to help make some contracts worth. Um, although trading guys who you just acquired via trade in the NBA is um, difficult at times. And so admittedly, I don't know the exact framework of how that would work with those guys. But now you have three more draft picks at your disposal if you want to just throw them in a monster trade. If you want to completely overhaul this thing again, you have one of the greatest trade chips ever in Kevin Durant, and in the offseason, you could flip Finney Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, get a couple more picks, maybe another young player, and just move on your way that way. But this has to be so frustrating from a Brooklyn Nets standpoint. 2019, they swooped in and stole the package that everyone thought was going to Madison Square Garden with the Knicks, and it was these two guys are going to lead the next great era of Brooklyn Nets basketball sure Kevin Durant can't play for the the first two years like I mean that, that, that's or for the first year because of an injury but we can we can deal with that we can we can make that work you do have to kind of look at this now and look they still have they still have Kevin Durant. And no one else does. So that that does kind of make it worth it. But they signed those guys in uh, the 2019 2000, in the offseason leading into the 2019 2020 offseason. They, that year, lose to the Raptors in the first round in a sweep because KD is hurt. The next year, they finish second in the East, make it to the conference semifinals, lose to the Bucs. This last year, they finish seventh in the East, and they lose in the first round to the Boston Celtics. That doesn't really seem worth it for all of these things. It doesn't really seem worth it for everything that you have put into the last three years to come away with one playoff series win. Now, granted, could have had two. If Katie's foot is just half a centimeter shorter, then maybe you get that. But it's... It doesn't seem like it's been worth it. And now you look at, cause also around that time, right? Because this is coming off of the Raptors championship in 2019, Kawhi and Paul George go to the Clippers. They've been in the conference finals once, but aside from that, it hasn't been a whole lot either it does kind of make the the super team experiment look like it is starting to fade away a little bit. And instead, you are seeing, and we've talked about this at length, right? Like the Milwaukee Bucks building up that chemistry and then adding a piece like Drew Holiday when they feel like they can go over the top. Same thing with the, the, the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul comes in and changes the dynamics there and they build up to a championship team. Golden State has been a team like that for forever. The Lakers do kind of look like the outliers. I throw my pen around. The Lakers do look like the outlier in this um, because going out and getting AD. And it seems like the Raptors would be too. But then you think about, like, everything else there was set foundationally. They just brought Kawhi in to help push it over the top. Um, so I- I'm you're starting to look at the super team thing as maybe it's something that's not working. But if you're a team that has an opportunity to do this, how can you not? Like, how how... In your head, how can you make it seem that, oh no, actually having Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving is actually a bad thing. It's just, it's so, it's so tough to turn that down because we have seen another era, but we have seen it go actually well. Who else is affected by this trade? Well, the Lakers certainly are. Uh, LeBron James emotionally seems uh, affected, saying maybe it's me and he, he is upset that this team hasn't gone out and made this thing. They, they made a push, apparently the Brooklyn Nets were very steadfast in their belief that they should not trade Kyrie to um, to the Lakers to, to go team up with LeBron. And so, now for the Lakers, what do you do? You have the expiring Russell Westbrook contract, you have unprotected picks in 27 and 29 that you could do, and the conundrum is... You know, you don't know what AD is going to be in four years. You are pretty sure LeBron's not going to be there in four years. Are those assets you really want to move away from because you don't have a whole lot else in the the, the draft holster for for you to use when all these guys age out? And this is forever been the conundrum around LeBron James it's that you feel like you need to win now so you have to go out and make big win now moves and some of them have worked like he's won a bunch of championships and he's been to a ton of them um just on his own however there's a lot of real dumb mistakes that are made in the the hopes of keeping LeBron James happy I think now from a, a Lakers standpoint you have to you 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 have to try to take it. LeBron is playing out of his mind. He is going to get MVP votes this year. You have to try to surround him with talent that will help get him to that next level. And they tried to do that with with uh, with Westbrook, and it failed miserably. You look at it now; they are two games out of a play in. Um, they are behind the Thunder, the Blazers, the Jazz, and they would play the Pelicans in the first um, first game of the play in. There's no guarantee that what you get with the expiring contract of Westbrook plus those two picks is enough to push you over the top, but you have LeBron, you kind of have to try. I think one of the winners of this is the Toronto Raptors as they, and it's been talked about for a bit, are they actually going to pull the trigger and really tear this thing down? I'm of the belief that they should, I will miss some of the players who are on their way out. But I do think the Raptors are now at a point where we have hit the ceiling of what this experiment can be. I think now you look at the teams that wanted to go all in for Kyrie Irving, not that Fred Van Vliet is Kyrie Irving, however, we have seen, like, he almost would have fit Dallas so much better. He has been secondary ball handler uh, ball handler away f- with, um, with Kyle Lowry, even a tertiary ball handler with Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. But he's also been like the head guy on a team that made it to the Eastern Conference semifinals. He he has been a head guy on a team that has made the playoffs in back-to-back years. Like he he has been that guy. Back-to-back years? Two out of three years. Um, he has been that guy to kind of take on that load. And so I think he would have worked perfectly with Luca personally, but the the Mavericks did what they did. And again, Kyrie, at his best, is a better basketball player than Fred Van Vliet. Teammate not even close. Fred all day. But now you look at, like, all those other teams, you're not going to get both unprotected picks from the Lakers for Fred Van Vliet. You're not going to get Chris Paul from the Suns for Fred Van Vliet. But you can now look and say, hey, look, we have, for, for all you teams who thought you needed that type of a guy, we kind of have that type of a guy. Bring us all of your... your um. Bring us all of your trade requests. And the Raptors, I think, have some of the most um, exciting names that are available for this trade deadline. With Van Vliet, with OG Ananobi, with even like a a secondary piece like a Gary Trent Jr. The Raptors can really dictate this trade deadline. And with how smart this organization can be, they can go out and utilize those assets, I think, pretty quickly to to help turn things around. So I, I think that this it does kind of help the Raptors out a little bit in that the the prize pool gets a little bit smaller now at the trade deadline. I'm interested now at what goes on in Phoenix because it was it's out there that the suns offered Chris Paul to the Brooklyn Nets in a a, a deal to to bring Kyrie to Phoenix which holy crap um. I don't know what that would have looked like basketball-wise, but Chris Paul doesn't strike me as the type who would take that type of a thing really well. So I'm interested to see what happens now in Phoenix out of all of this. But it's it's just... It's such a weird era of Brooklyn Knights basketball, and it's fitting that their first game after training Kyrie is against the Clippers tonight because those were two teams that went all-in in the 2019 offseason. After the Raptors won the championship, Kawhi and Paul George goes to go to L.A. Kyrie and Katie and then eventually James Harden go to Brooklyn and now between the two of those teams since 2019 there is one conference finals appearance between the two of them that's not what either of those teams signed up for so it's it makes for very interesting conversations as you see teams go all in at this trade deadline but maybe the best way is kind of the most difficult path down the road to a championship. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at waste of Talent with X's where the A's would be, and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. NHL All Star Weekend is now behind us. Um, it was weird seeing Bo Horvat in an Islanders jersey. We are going to have to get used to that now, as he signs an eight-year extension with the Islanders at a price that doesn't seem overly prohibitive. Like it's a lot don't get me wrong it's a, it's a tenth of the the salary cap but it's basically what the canucks gave to jt miller and that is going to be a comparison now that these two teams have for the next 8 years specifically for the canucks it's not like that the islanders would have got jt miller uh, i mean maybe but the the canucks now are going to have to see side by side how this plays out with jt miller kind of actively trying to burn down the house that Bo built anyway and see how those two things go. But it definitely weird. You get a little teary seeing Bo Horvat with um, Elias Patterson, like, hey, one last time, let's go. Um, So that was kind of nice. But, like, overall, it's fun. You get some clips. Max from the Arkells drawing up some controversy because he only gave Matthew Kachuk a 2 on something that everyone else gave him a 10 for. It's fun. Um, And so I am saying all of this with like, well, how do you fix the all-star game? 95% of the people who are saying that, either A, will watch it no matter what, or B, won't watch it no matter what. You know, like you could put it on Mars and there would be some people just like, eh, it's the all-star game, it's not real hockey, I'm not gonna watch it. You'll see some highlights, like the best way to consume it is TikTok clips, right? You see a couple of clips, it's fun, oh, hey, look at that. Um, Sarah Nurse with a little whoop, 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 and then she scores, wasn't, wasn't that fun on, um, what was it, Shesterkin, who she did that to? Either way, like those clips are great. So I'm saying all of this to say, like, I probably, even if you did this, wouldn't watch the All-Star Game. I might see more clips of it. I think it is time for the All-Star Game to go outside. Dan O'Toole had a, a real long Twitter thread about the, the NHL All-Star Game going to Toronto next year. The thought of putting it in Rogers Centre is, I think, a really, really smart one. I, I think, like, you look, they're, they're doing outdoor games. They don't really draw a whole lot. I think they do all right TV numbers. But it's not... It's still weird to me that teams battling for playoff spots have to have a game that is so different from everyone else. I think it's easy. You put the biggest stars out there. Maybe you'd even get some more stars who want to come in instead of some guys who are a little reluctant to do this type of thing. I think you would get more excitement around the participation of it. I think it would look cool, and you'd get that outdoor vibe to, to things. So I think it would be nice to, to take the... To take the outdoor concept and turn it into the all-star game. The night before, you could turn you you could keep the the skills competition the same, have it in whatever the uh, Scotiabank Arena or whatever they're calling it in Toronto now. You could have it there and still do it that way. But have the the bigger night be the the all-star game, have that one be outside. I I think that would be I think that'd be a cool way to, to go about that. Quickly, the the Calgary Flames in action tonight. They are taking on the New York Rangers as their All-Star break. Um, and this bye week is now over. Taking a look at the uh, line combinations that were tweeted out by Eric Francis. Um, oh, this is interesting. Just tweeted out 16 minutes ago. Um... ESPN sources: Nets and Mavericks trade still hasn't been made official with the league office because Nets are evaluating opportunities to expand deal with a third team. Teams are expected to make a two-way deal official in the next couple of hours unless the Nets find something bigger to fold into it. So that's interesting as we bounce around uh, between subjects. But looking at the. Um, looking at the Flames, yeah, Babs has a lot of opinions on the who the third team could be in the, the, this particular trade. But you look at the lines that are tweeted out today, and it's kind of what they ended things with from a, a flame standpoint. They move Pelche up to the second line. So Dubay Lindholm to Foley, uh, song stays the same. Pelche is up with Kadri and Huberto, which means Lucic, Ruzicka, and Lewis is your fourth line. First off, I was interested that a few more people, are, or quite a few more people, are higher on me than Lewis, or um, on Lewis, so I'm going to need to take a harder look at my thoughts on one Trevor Lewis. But for, for the Flames, this is why... I'm a little hesitant with some of the trades, like, yeah, you're probably not going to go out and get a Brock Besser or a Timo Meyer. Maybe just do some of those depth guys. You need more top nine forwards, like an Anthony Duclair or a Max Domi, which, yes, yes, this team needs to upgrade the skill at the forward position. Those guys would do it. The problem is those guys aren't taking away the spaces from the dudes who are the problem. The problem for the Flames, I think, is Lucic. I also thought Louis, but people don't seem to agree with me so maybe I'm wrong on that. But at least we can all agree, the the spot that would bring you the best return on the investment, shout out Betstamp, the best return on your investment would be plopping a Duclair or a Domi in the Luchich spot and there you have a giant skill upgrade. The problem is there's no way in hell that's going to happen because if it was, it would have happened already. Lucic wouldn't be playing, wouldn't have been playing in the spot he was, this Pelche move would have happened 15 games ago. Rozichka would be up there, or something along those lines. Duer would be playing. Matthew Phillips would still be here. They would be doing a number of different things if they go out and acquire a Duclair, or a Domi, or a, oh, he's pretty good, forward X. It is going to be replacing the Pelche minutes, not the Lucic minutes, and I don't think that is an upgrade that is going to give you any type of real value from a Flames standpoint. We know what the problem is, and we know that the problem isn't going to be fixed for the Flames. Interested to see the Rangers tonight? Um, it's... I've always had a bit of a soft spot for the Rangers, so interested to see how the Flames handle that matchup. Audi has Game Over Calgary for you on the SDPN YouTube channel. After the game ends, uh, it starts at 5.30 tonight from Madison Square Garden. Just a couple of uh, quick notes here. Fedor Emelianenko, his MMA career comes to an end um, in a loss at Bellator 290. On CBS, once again, Mixed Martial Arts returns. Fedor, specifically, returns to network television. Um, we'll see what the, the ratings end up doing. We'll see what this ends up doing for Bellator. By the way, if you're in Canada and you didn't have access to CBS, either if you're a cord cutter or what, it is available on YouTube for you. He is still one of the greatest of all time. I don't know if he officially has that GOAT status. I'm going to look more at the, the Fedor legacy coming up on Friday for uh, Fights in Football Friday. But he is still one of the greatest of all time. And it you wouldn't know it from looking at him because he's just like this doughy Russian dude who's looked 50 since he was 20. and But he goes out there and just... Maul's opponents, there is, if you watched him 2003, 2004, 2005, if you watched him, there was an aura around him of invincibility, and even when it was starting to fade a little bit, and yeah, he's beating Brett Rogers, that's fine, and then going into the Verdum fight, when he lost, it still felt huge, even though you knew that something was starting to fall off a little bit, just that one tap, and that aura was gone, but you still have to look at what Fedor did, and... Look at, and realize you're looking at one of the greatest of all time. The Dana White quote is so annoying. But what are you, like you're asking Dana White? Hey, um, Dana, this heavyweight who has refused to come to your company for the better part of two decades now, and has time and time again flirted with you, but then ended up going somewhere else. And you have uh, at a number of times expressed your frustration with um, with not being able to sign Fedor. What are your thoughts on him now? There's no way Dana's going to be like, yeah, I was just bullshitting with you guys the whole time. He was actually the greatest of all time. Of course Dana's not going to do that. He's not even going to say the best heavyweight in the world was the one who just walked out his door, even though the dude who he just punched into oblivion is going to be fighting for that championship that he stripped Francis of in a couple of months. In a month. Holy crap, that fight is less than a month away. Either way, this is... It's so predictable how Dana responded. When asked about Fedor Emelianenko, uh, Emelianenko, Dana said, people liked him, so they praised him. He never got to test himself over here. I I never was one of the guys who thought he was the greatest of all time. This is the thing you have to remember. MMA today, the landscape, is significantly different than when Fedor was running through kids in 2003, 2004, 2005. The heavyweight division... In the UFC, I don't want to say it was a joke, but it was bordering on a joke when you compared it to Pride. The, the heavyweight division with Tim Sylvia and Andrei Orlovsky, those guys are fine. Fedor runs through them in a second. And I they they he did on the affliction shows. Those are certain, like you can up very easily make the case that those are guys who are past their prime. Because they were a hundred percent they were. Why did Fedor's prime last longer? Because he was better than them. Fedor would have run through. In one night, the entire UFC heavyweight division, uh, with, like, Gan McGee and those guys, like, get out of here. The the Pride heavyweight division with Noguera, Krokop, Fedor, you had, like, a real... You could make an argument the top three to five heavyweights in the world at any given time were in Pride. And there was no question the better heavyweight division was in Pride. So make no mistake about it. Just because he didn't fight for the three letters UFC, that doesn't mean... That didn't mean back then what it means today. Fedor not fighting in the UFC's heavyweight division was actually Fedor testing himself against the best heavyweights of all time. Again, we will get into that in our Legacy Look on Friday's show. We will also get more into the Super Bowl. It is Super Bowl week, so we're going to be here every day this week with just a couple of thoughts on what's happening with the Super Bowl. But as we get into now the week of Super Bowl 57 from Arizona between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles... This game can't come soon enough. I am so excited for this Super Bowl and for this matchup between these two teams. I think you just have two excellent football teams going head to head. My lean still is the Kansas City Chiefs because I just have a difficult time going against Patrick Mahomes. He was able to go out and beat the Cincinnati Bengals, probably just on one leg, but. The fact that he has now had a couple of weeks to heal, I think, helps him a little bit more in this game, and I, I just feel like he is going to be the difference maker in Super Bowl Fifty Seven. So that is still my pick: Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I, I just feel like every other spot is so even. The skill position spots probably an edge to to Philadelphia, but Travis Kelsey might be the best of those guys. Offensive line, maybe a touch of an edge to to Philadelphia, but the Chiefs have a pretty good one too. Running the ball. Bit of an edge to Philadelphia, but Kansas City can't. Like, it seems like all of these things do kind of lean Philadelphia, but Kansas City is close enough that the edge of the quarterback position, this is still Patrick Mahomes' world, and everyone else is just living in it. So, that is just a quick thought on the Super Bowl. We're going to have more Super Bowl coverage throughout the week. But now, it is time for today's Ticket. The studio sponsor for Coach Potato Diary is Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all your cleaning needs. All right, now it is time for today's ticket presented by Betstamp, the Trivago of sports gambling. Download the Betstamp app, use the referral code COUCH to let them know that we are sent you. Uh, taking a look at the ticket this evening not a whole lot that is overly appetizing if we are being completely honest with ourselves in this one. Um, going to take a look here at the Sacramento Kings. We haven't dabbled a whole lot in the Kings market but they're taking on a dreadful Houston Rockets team this evening. Betway has them at minus 6.5. There's a couple other spots that have them at minus 6.5 as well. If you fancy the Houston Rockets in this matchup there's a couple spots that even have it at 7.5 like Bet, Victor, and B-Win. But we are going to go Sacramento minus 6.5 with the number provided from Betway. Uh, That one is minus 6.5 at minus 110. One more we're looking at on the basketball schedule tonight. Uh, It is Golden State taking on Oklahoma Oklahoma City. The Thunder are battling for a playoff spot. The Warriors are going to be without Steph Curry for the next few weeks. So we are going to look at Oklahoma City to cover four in this game. Few spots where you can get plus four. That would be Bet365, uh, Bet99, and Cool Bet along with William Hill Sportsbook. The best number to get it at is Bet365. So we are going to go there. As the hockey schedule returns as well, is there anything on the market that we would like to take advantage of this evening let's go with the Dallas Stars taking on the Anaheim Ducks the Ducks one of those bad teams we're going to look to take advantage of in the second half of the season so we will go from Betvictor the Dallas Stars at minus a goal and a half at minus 138 anything else standing out tempted to go New Jersey against the the Vancouver Canucks um, in their first game since Bo Horvat's. Trade? I was trying to think of a bare word of saying that. But either way, uh, but we'll, we'll leave that one alone and see how Vancouver responds tonight, although 69% of the bet's coming in on the New Jersey Devils. So, three games on today's Ticket the Stars to beat the Anaheim Ducks by a goal and a half. Oklahoma City to cover four against the Golden State Warriors. Oklahoma City plus four coming to us from Bet365. And Sacramento minus six and a half against the Houston Rockets. That one coming to us from Betway. We will click track. You can see all of the picks... For not just me, but a number of experts on this app, when you download the BetStamp app and use the referral code Couch to let them know that we sent you to the Trivago of Sports Gambling. Um, Just the last one here before we get to uh, the end of the show. Mark Stein tweeting out a few moments ago that the team that Um, Brooklyn is actually looking to involve in these trade discussions are the Toronto Raptors as the Nets are wondering if they can flip some of the stuff that they are getting from the Dallas Mavericks with a bit more draft capital going to the Raptors in exchange for Fred Van Vliet. So uh, Fred who didn't back down from Kevin Durant a few years ago in the NBA Finals may be teammates with him Uh, but that is where everything is leading off today that's going to do it for the show thank you all so much for tuning in once again thank you for all the positive reviews on the work that I did over at Sportsnet 960 last week it is Super Bowl week so we're going to try to have a show out every day for you this week um I'm not on game over until this weekend when the Flames have a Saturday afternoon game against the Buffalo Sabres if you want to find out everything else going on in my life you can follow me on social media Twitter and Instagram I am at Klein, and I will talk to you all later I'm out